Welcome to the Venley Expert Talks, where we aim to inspire Web3 builders with great stories from great minds. I'm your host, Alexandra Ahrens, and I'd like to remind you that you can always reach out to us on Twitter, Discord, or LinkedIn with ideas for the podcast and questions for our guests. Great. All right. So, Welcome to episode 13 of the Venley Expert Talks. Today we have Jesse Whiteside, Director of Business Development at Hashport. We are going to be talking about interoperability and what it means and why it's important. So, Jesse, first of all, welcome. <laughs> thanks for coming. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so if you wouldn't mind starting out, I'd love to hear about your background and what led you to this point and your background in crypto. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I'm from Ontario, Canada. Um, my original background um, is in uh, finance and business. Um, I was a financial advisor for quite a few years and, and have had a, a whole host of different jobs in and out of tech. Um, and, you know, I initially back in 2012 came across Bitcoin, but like many people in their first go round, didn't really know what to make of it and uh, was a bit too fringe for me at the time. And I sort of just, uh, you know, put it back on the shelf for the time being. And it wasn't really until 2017, uh, you know, when Bitcoin had its next major run uh, that I sort of stopped and, and actually focused on the space for, for a considerable amount of time. Um, and it was around this time as well that I, I learned about um, Hedera Hashgraph. Um, a new distributed ledger technology that was coming out that, you know, purported to, to be able to, um, you know, ameliorate on, on a lot of things to do with blockchain. So I was very interested in that. And then over the next four years, I proceeded to, uh, you know, just consume and absorb as much information as I, as I possibly could on the space. And then, uh, you know, this past in 2021, I should say, about middle of 2021, um, made the decision to, to jump into the space full time. Um, and, and been here ever since. Great. So, um, it's, it, it's, it's incredibly exciting and, um, you know, there's always stuff to learn and, and do in yeah. the space. Changes which, quickly which for sure. So absolutely great. Um, so obviously you work for Hashport. I'd like to get a little bit of information for everyone listening. Uh, what is Hashport? What do you do there? What's the goal? Yeah, absolutely. So Hashport is an enterprise-grade public utility uh, that facilitates the movement of digital assets uh, between distributed networks, um, which allows them to extend the fun functionality of, of those assets in a secure and cost-effective way. Essentially, it's, a, it's an interoperability solution. Um, and um, I'm the Director of Business Development for Hashport and uh, as such responsible for coordinating and, and helping to implement uh, a lot of the go-to-market strategies for the platform, um, things such as adding new networks, tokens, and features um, are all of the things that I'm, I'm interested in doing to enable users and, uh, you know, dApps and, and developers to be able to harness new use cases or, um, you know, augment their business strategies as a result. Okay, great. And would you say that your customers are pretty industry agnostic, more specific? Yeah, so it, the platform is has been developed to be uh, platform agnostic yeah. um, and, and, and network agnostic. Um, and so the, the first networks that are connected to Hashport right now are the Hedera 
public distributed network uh, along with Ethereum and Polygon. Uh, however, over time, uh, in the coming months and years, we're going to be adding um, a, a whole host of, of networks that uh, people know and love currently. And um, uh, just through that, being able to offer increased and enhanced flexibility to users looking to uh, move certain assets uh, between networks and and allow for uh, different use cases to arise or for you know the individual user to potentially take advantage of uh, opportunities on other networks that they may not necessarily have access to um, by leveraging the assets that they already have and creating you know representative versions on on those other networks that they're looking to go to and then use and DeFi applications or any other DAP that, that they may, uh, you know, want to integrate those assets with. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I've read a lot about your um, validator swarm. Um, can you yeah. <laughs> tell us a little bit about who makes that up and how they fit into the process? Yeah, yeah. So the validator swarm plays an integral component of, of Hashport. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's nine industry-leading um uh, organizations that, that comprise the validator swarm currently. Uh, and we've taken a, a page out of Hedera's book in the sense that they have a, a governing council that looks to, um, you know, uh, manage and um, uh, develop the network uh, in, a, in a decentralized, uh, democratic sort of way. And in, in that same vein with Hashport, um, especially from a, a security standpoint and, and having multi-signatures um, to ensure transactions and, and assets that are locked on, on the network, we've chosen to um, enlist uh, these, you know, highly regarded organizations. Um, and so I can, I can quickly walk you through who they are. Um, the HBAR Foundation is uh, the Hedera Network's newly created uh, independent growth organization that um, has a um, endowment of HBARs to be able to essentially go out and, and help um, you know developers to create new applications that leverage the, the Hedera platform. Uh, the Polygon Network, uh, which is one of the most promising L2 networks currently running on top of Ethereum. Uh, Galaxy. Uh, which is a social media platform for influencers and celebrities. Uh, it's created by uh, Spencer Dinwiddie uh, of the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, BCW Group uh, is a multifaceted uh, digital asset consulting firm and uh, platform creator. Uh, they create software as well. Hex Trust uh, is one of Asia's largest digital asset custodians. Um, and, and we love having them on board. Uh, World Pay from FIS um, is a Hedera council member, uh, but they also happen to be one of the first Fortune 250 companies to take on a, a validator role of, of this kind of capacity. Um, World Pay processes anywhere from 60 to 70% of uh, the world's uh, financial transactions and, and processes those in, in a variety of forms. Uh, Stable Node is a company in the, the MakerDAO ecosystem. Um, and the, the DAI stablecoin. Uh, Animoca Brands, one of the biggest and probably the most successful gaming company uh, in the distributed ledger space um, with lots of, of great titles and, and games to their name. Uh, and then lastly, rounding out, out the uh, validator swarm, we have LimeChain, who is a very highly regarded systems integrator and technology architect that uh, is also 
created and, and developed Hashport with us. Very nice. Awesome. One of the benefits of using Hashport is the movement of assets between different blockchains in a cost-effective way. Yeah. Um, can you share mm -hmm. a little bit about how you determine the most cost-effective way and how that's different from other players in the market? Yeah, so we've taken the approach, um, it, the way that it's currently working um, it is effectively a uh, volume-based or percentage-based uh, of the transfer. So there's a 50 basis point fee on the transfer for, for users. And in that way, you know, a smaller transaction obviously has a, has a much smaller cost. Um, larger transactions is a larger cost, but on, on the percentage, it, it, it's the same. So it's... Um, pretty equitable in, in that way. Uh, some other platforms will just charge a, a flat fee regardless of the transfer amount, and that could be high for lower transactions, and that could be, be you know, um, very, even more cost-effective for larger transactions. We also have and, and are, are building um, uh, secondary channels for, for larger volume-based use cases to be able to um, operate and function with, with um, better costing. Uh, that, that makes more sense in terms of those specific use cases, just because, uh, you know, if there is a, a significant amount of volume, um, it, it doesn't make sense to, to not be able to, to provide that to those, those developers. Um, and, and I mean, the ability to, to have a easily calculated um, amount so you know what you're, you're getting um, for your transfer, depending on what you're, you're holding and bringing over, just adds to the ease of use of the platform. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Um, another thing that I saw come up is that yeah. um, the Hashgraph consensus algorithm became open source. Yeah. Uh, what does that mean for the community? Yeah, you know, I, I've thought about that quite a bit, and I think uh, on the balance of the whole, it's going to be very powerful for for the community and and just for the space in general. Uh, the ability to to leverage that technology and and implement it into uh, you know potentially different networks and and use cases that that one would want to to um, you know have high throughput, uh, low time to finality and, and absolute finality and, and, you know, the, the security properties of being asynchronous, Byzantine fault tolerant. Those are, those three things are, um, you know, very, very sought after and Hedera for its specific implementations of, of that consensus algorithm can enable use cases that other platforms may be able to compete in two of the three areas, but then, you know, have to make a sacrifice on, on some of the others. So I think it will be very, over time, it will really um, spawn the growth of, of a lot of new exciting ideas in the space and enable a lot of use cases that, that um, uh, you know, and also attract the, the attention of the developer community that's out there in, in the space. I think being able to use a, a open source tool um, such as this, this consensus algorithm uh, just will lead to exponential growth of, of users and, and developers playing around with it and, and coming up with groundbreaking ideas. Fantastic. That kind of leads us into our main point, I suppose. So big general question for you. What is interoperability for you? And yeah, 
Why is it important? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it, it's it, the the buzzword of interoperability is a bit right up there with metaverse right yeah. now. It's pretty it's pretty pretty close, and for good reason. I mean, in order for us to have a you know an open free metaverse that um, you know everyone is is talking about right now, we're going to need to have different standards and ability to move digital assets and, and representations of things seamlessly across, uh, you know, different networks and, and um, you know, games or what have you. I don't think interoperability, I couldn't put a finger on exactly what it is to me because it isn't one size fits all. I think that depending on what you are uh, doing, what your use case is, interoperability is going to mean something for one person and it could mean an entirely different thing for another organization or person. Um, so, you know, there are things such as, um, you know, in-game assets being able to be migrated between networks or even between games, potentially. Um, that's, that's one of the big things that, you know, uh, would be looked at. That's, that's one thing that might not necessarily, um, require the same things as uh, potentially a developer looking to migrate their uh, their DAP to another network altogether and just move away from their existing one and you know move their non-circulating supply and and essentially have users use an interoperability solution to, to migrate networks um, so I think it, there is a, a broad spectrum of of uh, what interoperability is and means to other people and I think over time, there will be certain categories for interoperability that are more talked about or implemented. Uh, but I think it's really going to be up to what uh, developers and, and users make of, of interoperability, what, what those demands, uh, you know, market demands are that drive those, those needs. Mm -hmm. Can you make any predictions about what categories you think those might be in the near future? Um, you know, I really think it's a, there, there might be some standardization, um, and, and, you know, in terms of how to implement interoperability solutions. I know that there are quite a, there's quite a few interoperability solutions out there right now with more coming online every day. Everyone's trying, that's, that's the greatest thing about this space is, you know, never before, you know, in human history has there been this many kind of social experiments happening at, at, at the same time concurrently. Um, and I think that, through that experimentation, we're going to find out exactly what it is. I would, uh, I would think that the the movement of the ability for platforms to move between networks and you know uh, individual users' um, assets being able to be moved around between between games or or networks is is going to be important. Um, also, I think interoperability will help enterprises and business use cases potentially retool their process paths for asset settlements um, and things of that nature where they might be going before, you know, through traditional methods of, of you know, sw the SWIFT and banking system, there might be um, short circuits or shortcuts that, that, that can be made using interoperability solutions and distributed ledgers that significantly reduce time and cost to accomplish the same thing. So I think I think that's what we'll we'll see in the future is is a lot of focus and attention on this, just the same as as the metaverse, because I think they go hand in hand. And as a result, I think we'll get a lot of those things over time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so over time for sure. 
Um, I guess I'm going to press you in the next, or right now, or in the next few months, would you say that interoperability is going to be kind of the top-level USP for projects, like most important, or no? That's a good question. Um, I think that there are, if you look at what is happening with a lot of these new L1 networks and L2 networks residing on Ethereum or, or ZK roll-up solutions, um, I think there is going to be quite a bit of demand for interoperability solutions that um, facilitate the movement of assets onto those networks and platforms to those other networks. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Good. Hashport decided against having a native token. What would you say are the market implications of that? Yeah, there's a couple market implications for that. Um, one uh, being regulatory, we didn't want to have a a, a I mean, I mean, some interoperability solutions have decided to have a network token. We decided that against that, particularly because if businesses and users are relying on the platform we didn't want to have a, a potential risk be suddenly you know there's regulatory concerns that potentially shut down the platform and as a result businesses and users are impacted from that the other is um purely functional by having a by having a platform token um you essentially add an extra layer of complexity. Sure. Do you believe we will see standards and NFTs like avatars that need to be interoperable? Is that something that's coming for us? I think that's the dream. <laughs> okay. I, 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 think that's, I think that's what everyone aspires to have. And, you know, you see things like Ready Player One, um, th things of that nature. And that's what's being... Um, that's what's being sold to us right now. And I think if you just look at the, the pace of technological advancement and, you know, where we were, you know, I can remember, you know, playing, playing uh, Nintendo back when I was a kid, right? And, you know, you go from that to what we have now, which is almost lifelike. You've got, you know, graphics that are almost lifelike and, and you know, um, the, the power of the devices that we have now are, are you know, larger than some warehouse computers were back you know in the 50s and 60s so i think over time yes it, it, it will be achievable it's just really a question of what that timeline is and and how do we how do we get there and the technologies in between that will enable us to do that mm -hmm. so it's the dream for sure <laughs> but um i guess the question is also are we going to sacrifice anything with that dream do you think yeah i mean there's a, there's a, it, it, it's not a perfect world so we're always going to have to make we're, we're always going to have to make sacrifices in terms of um fidelity when when, when you try and do things of this nature and in terms of ha have this seamless nature with things that aren't necessarily feature parity like some networks may have certain uh characteristics or traits that just aren't on other networks that obviously doesn't lend itself well to that you'd need 
maybe potentially a third solution to oversee all of those things and, and keep track of, of, you know, state management uh, uh, between the networks. Um, I think, I think if you look at, you know, taking, taking just the, the um, internet as an example, when someone goes to a computer uh, and, and hops on a terminal, whether that's a, a Windows, Mac, Linux, cell phone, they're always being displayed the same content from those websites. They don't know what's going on in the background, and there could be a whole host of different hardware and software that accomplishes that, but the end result is the same. And I think that's what we'll end up having, is we'll have a layer of abstraction to where these use cases are being um, developed, and for the end user, it's one and the same. Okay. So once we get to that point... People won't know is your point, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and even the same thing with like, you know, the arguments about about the metaverse mm-hmm. and is this a simulate? Like Elon yeah. Musk talking about if this is a simulation, sure. right? So, at, at a certain point, it will become feasible to accomplish the things we're looking yeah. to do. Okay. What do you feel are the main hurdles we're going to have to get over to make it there? Yeah. Um, I think I think it's going to be a lot of standardization. I think we're going to need networks and and you know competitors potentially working together in order to sort through what needs to be done for the greater good of the users and the use cases. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. How do you see more closed environments such as um, Manchester came out with the Etihad Stadium? Um, how do you see them supporting interoperability? Yeah, you know, again, that's that one size doesn't fit sure. all approach. So you're going to have situations where you have sort of closed source, um, centralized solutions for things that may ultimately plug into public networks like Dara um, and potentially use platforms such as Hashport to be, to enable users to do what they will with that. So, you know, a, a group such as, as the one you just mentioned might be able to control everything that they want to control within their environment and, and their sort of metaverse or, or whatever they're, they're trying to, to put to users, but then they give those users the ability or choice to then take an asset from from their their world and move it to somewhere else or interact with it in a different way that they may not necessarily have have, have intended. So I think again that comes back to the standards that standardization and the sort of building blocks. If we give developers and users the ability to have these um, assets that that are you know easily or, or architected in the same way, then we can plug them into multiple different places. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to take some work, but I'm very hopeful and, and, and I think we'll get there. Yeah, great. So what other interoperability focused projects are on your radar that you think will bring a lot of value to this space? Or do you see any opportunities right now? Yeah. I, I, from what we have seen so far, I think there's a great opportunity in helping dApps to be able to, to migrate uh, between platforms. So there's, when we talk about those use cases, there's, there's use cases that might need very fast 
transfers and, and, and a very high volume of movement that are going to require specific implementations to, to accomplish like potentially in-game assets, um, you know, for decentralized games being able to be quickly transferred between networks or, or between games and, and what have you. Um, but for others in particular, what I was just saying, um, migrating dApps, for instance, that only is going to require, you know, one transaction, one or two transactions on the part of the developer to, to migrate their non-circulating assets to the different network. Um, and then after the fact, subsequently, you're going to have users follow along if they want to use that, that, that platform. Or potentially, you could have a case um, where a platform decides they want to have a presence or their token on all of the other supported networks or a subset of them. And then in that case, you know, you see, you see um, dApps right now that, that do reside on several different networks at the same time, but none of those tokens talk to one another. They may be, they may be usable within those ecosystems uh, on, on that d- developers uh, backend when, when they're interacting with the front end of, of the application but they're not actually interchangeable for one another in any way. They, they're sort of siloed off. Whereas what we're, we're hoping to try and do with Hashport is be able to have, if, you, if you're a developer and you have a, a token and you put it onto Hashport um, or you use you know, one of the networks as your starting point, if you then have the ability to move those assets to any of the other supported networks, um, then it, it becomes a lot more seamless um, in the sense that you can you can be able to, to move around. Whether or not that um, that's going to be a big requirement, you know, of having to be on multiple networks, I, I don't know if that, that will be the case. I think, again, it, everything's going to fall to the background and the user's just going to be presented with, with one solution. Uh, ultimately, I think, though, the biggest thing is going to be for developers that might, you know, be in a, a situation where the network that they're on isn't as performant as they, they'd like, or they don't have certain, you know, properties, security properties and characteristics that they're able to actually move to another network that's compatible, that they don't have to do a lot of re-architecting. They just have to change a few lines of code here and there, and then they move their supply over and, and they can, you know, take full advantage of, of these new networks that are out. So I think that that is going to be the biggest use case I can see for these platforms, in addition to, you know, the the individual user being obviously able to, uh, if there's a popular asset, be able to hold on to that asset from one network, but then use the purchasing power of that asset in, an, in another network, potentially on, you know, DeFi applications or whatnot. And then from a, a business and enterprise standpoint, being able to, um, you know, re-architect some of those traditional existing business channels, I think, uh, is, are going to be the main, the main use cases. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, so if there are people looking to get involved with that, with, yeah, helping devs and pretty much everything you just said, um, (laughs) how would you encourage people to get involved in this and to help be part of the, the change? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, different for every person because everyone, everyone again is coming sure. at it from a different, 
a different perspective. They're going to have a different, a different angle on it. I would say, you know, just from my own personal experiences is just, you know, focusing around the things that mean something to you or, and are important to you um, in your, you know, circle of competency. Everyone has something to bring to the space. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who they are. There's, there's space and room for everyone to, to find their, their niche and, and be able to contribute in a, in a meaningful, impactful way. So I would just say, you know, whatever, it, whatever it is, wherever you are, um, being able to, to just, you know, take an interest in, in that particular area. And, and, you know, if we're talking about interoperability and, and Hashport in specific, you know, if you have a particular asset that you're interested in, or you want to see on, you know, um, you know, one network or the other, or, um, you're interested in, um, you know, seeing if you can get those assets into other, uh, platforms to, to be able to be implemented on those use cases. I, I think that's that's a great way to to support and help is is just to you know reach out to those platforms and acquire. And if those platforms get enough interest from enough people, they're going to be like, hey, we need to we need to actually seriously look into this because there's demand for it. Um, I, I think as much as um, communication channels have improved globally. I mean, right now being, especially with the pandemic, being able to communicate with anyone and everyone anywhere at any time, which is great. I think the ability to get a hold of and communicate directly with um, decentralized applications and developers is still somewhat of a challenge. And it's hard for, for, for those platforms to get line of sight into their user bases and vice versa. Um, so I think with time that'll improve, but Again, if everyone is is you know um, sticking around and and focusing on what it is that that they're interested in and, and letting it be known, I think it's much easier for developers and, and platforms to identify the things that that users are looking for um, and implement those. Mm-hmm. Great. Do you have any? I guess, specific use cases for me on someone that you know of in the space who's doing really well with interoperability right now. Yeah. um, Like from a, from a, from a user standpoint or from a, from a platform platform user standpoint, whatever comes to your mind first, maybe both. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, in particular, um, you know, working with, um, Venley, <laughs> in particular, yeah. <laughs> obviously, um, along with, I mean, there's a use case that we're implementing right now for for a platform on Ethereum that's looking to to migrate over to um, Hedera, and uh, one of the key uh, components for them was being able to to harness the power of the Ven- Venley's wallet solution and be able to effectively. Uh, you know, with with just a few clicks, be able to have users um, not only have the assets from the one side of the equation, but also on the other side, um, because Venly supports um, all of the networks that we currently have um, on Hashport, which is Ethereum, Polygon, and Hedera, um, as well as a whole host of other ones. So, uh, you know, working with Venly, um, great, I think love to been, hear it. Uh, you really, you really had to dig for that one. My apologies, um, but no, it, 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 it's been wonderful um, the experience being able to do that because I think that it, that is going to be one of the the key pieces again, right? 
the, the, the service, the solution that Venly provides allows for, for users with very little knowledge or, or technical know-how to be able to, to use a platform like Hashport and be able to um, get the same thing done where if they were using just a, um, you know, a very uh, open source uh, implementation just by itself, such as like a MetaMask or something, they would have to set it up and configure it all themselves and go through a whole host of things versus having, you know, a single sign on with uh, a Google or a Twitter account. Um, so I think, I, I think the ease of use uh, is, is really um, beneficial for the space. Great. Thanks. I wasn't really digging for it, but I appreciate it. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. So um, we're coming close to our end here. Is there anything specific that you feel like we haven't touched on that you really think is important to this discussion? Yeah, I mean, obviously, go check out uh, Hashport at hashport.network. Um, I think... Uh, I, I think users would be pleasantly surprised with, with, um, you know, the speed and, and security and, um, just ease of use. Uh, we've really tried to make it about, uh, the user and the assets they're looking to move as opposed to anything else. And as a result, um, it's a very, um, quick and painless process to, to, to migrate assets. And over time, it's only going to get better with more options and networks. So, um, really focus on that. Um, you know, I think that the, the that the space is rapidly expanding, and so are the tools and methods that developers can can deploy to create new use cases. Um, I see that trend continuing over time, and as a result of that, I see the experiences that users um, have access to are just going to get bigger and better over time. Um, it's just going to lead to to better overall experiences and outcome, and as a result, adoption is just going to keep, um, you know, continuing to trend upward. Awesome, fantastic. Last note here: Is there anyone that you know of that we should invite on to Venley Expert Talks next? Absolutely, uh, I can't single anyone out, but I would say inviting anyone. And I've seen I've seen a few of them already on the show. Uh, already, Perfect. but any one of our validators, uh, I'm sure, would be happy to to stop by and and uh, discuss uh, you know everything and anything to do with distributed ledgers. Fantastic, <laughs> great. Well, then, thank you very much for coming to talk to me today, and uh, hopefully at some point we can get together in person and meet. And absolutely, yeah. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you so much, Alex. Thanks.